Would it be an overreaction this morning to say our world is broken? You think, you think that's going a little bit too far if I said um, our world is struggling right now, suffering? I was thinking about it this week. If the world today represented, was represented by a person, who would that person look like? Probably sick, crippled, angry, hopeless, fearful, depressed, on and on. Lost. Well, that's the world that we live in. Every one of us. And sometimes we, we talk about suffering and brokenness as a season. I've, I've even done that before. And, um, you know, I'm just going through a season right now of difficulty. I'm going through a season of pain and brokenness. But it'll pass. You know, this too shall pass. And I'm going... And I heard someone put it this way uh, recently. It's not a season of brokenness that we live in in this world. It's more of a climate of brokenness. It's the climate of the place that we live. And it doesn't go away. Now, there are days when it's more difficult. There are seasons, sure, when we um, experience that pain in a real way and in certain ways. But this climate of suffering, see, it's important to see life that way because if not, we'll always be looking for, we'll always put our hope in that time, that season that's coming that's going to be a little easier. And that, that begins to be what our hope is in. And that's not where our hope is. Because we live in brokenness. And so this morning we continue our message series in the book of Acts entitled Unstoppable. The story of God, you've heard it, the story of the Acts of the Apostles, but it really is the Acts of God um, throughout the book of Acts. And we come to the third chapter this morning, and we see this condition that we find and see the world in represented in this passage. And let me encourage you, there's hope. There is hope in the Word of God this morning. This is not a doomsday message or even... It's not a temporary alleviation of our struggle message either, but it's real hope and real healing in the Word of God and the promises of God. And so that's good news in this climate of fear and pain and brokenness that we find ourselves in. Um, there is hope for you and for me, for the whole world this morning. If we'll tune our ears to hear His voice this morning, I pray you will tune your ears Take this word from God as to you personally. And so Acts chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 1, and I'll read through the first 16 verses of Acts chapter 3. If you have a scripture with you, you can look at that. Otherwise, it will be on the screen as well. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. <clears throat> and a man, lame from birth, was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood up and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11, while he, cling, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, Peter did what Peter does. He preached. He addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and, over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses and his name, by faith in his name, has this man, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your spirit communicating it to our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak clearly to each one of us in our hearts. Draw us closer to the Father. Lord, and may we rise up and walk today. May we find a healing that is only in Christ Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen. So the title of the message this morning is Rise Up and Walk. And we just came from the chapter last week, the story of the birth of the church, right? Uh, that day of Pentecost was, uh, Pentecost was in chapter 2. The Holy Spirit uh, came down as tongues of fire and the sound of mighty rushing wind. It fell on the disciples that gathered there. They began to speak uh, in various tongues in the upper room. And, um, and so this was a miraculous scene, right? And at the end of that chapter 2, we talked about um, how the church was being the church there, gathered together, um, studying what Jesus um, taught meeting one another's needs, worshiping together, sharing in their homes together. We talked about that last week. And it says that God added to the church day by day those that were being saved. And this was an awesome community thriving and growing in Jesus Christ. And so from there, right to this point, we see Peter and John heading to the temple to pray. Now these, were, uh, these Jewish men had accepted Jesus as their Savior, right? They, they no longer necessarily worshipped and went to sacrifices and those things that they had gone before, but they continued to go to pray. They continued to understand the importance of praying and worshipping. They saw Jesus, the Savior, not as uh, shutting down the Old Testament or shutting down the prophets, but as a fulfillment of all that was written. And so they came to the temple to pray and they, they knew that Jesus was the fulfillment of all that. And so um, they came and to worship with the 
those other Jewish folks there. A couple years ago, Tony and I were, uh, my wife Tony and I were invited to a apartment on the Upper East Side, and they were doing, right before Easter, they were doing a Seder. Um, and it was, the, the family that was doing it was a Messianic Jewish family. They were Jewish, and they celebrated all the festivals and all the all those things, but they had accepted Christ as the Messiah. And so we went through this Seder, and it was such a beautiful thing because all of it, they throughout the whole um, supper, they were explaining how it all pointed to Jesus. It was all fulfilled in Christ, and it was such a beautiful time. We, we ate together, we worshiped together, we prayed together, and we celebrated the Lamb of God who Jesus is. And so Peter and John um, are walking up to the temple to, to go to that time of prayer, and they come across this lame man, uh, this beggar, crying out for alms. And what alms is defined as, uh, at that time, money or goods given in the spirit of charity. And I, I want to, before I jump into uh, full force into this message, I want to say that very first verse, now Peter and John were going. That's so important, church. You know, last week we talked about how we're in each other's lives, eating together and encouraging one another, but the church is to go. They were going when this miraculous thing happened. We have to see our lives as going. As the church, it's not just about us gathering here together and going to small group and D group. and Those are wonderful, beautiful things. But we, we gain strength from one another, we encourage one another, but then we, we go. So let me encourage you to, to break down all the compartments. If this is a compartment in your life, break that down and see your life as a mission field. They were going. It wasn't a church event. Uh, it was just them going. So the church must get outside of our buildings. I just thought that was very interesting. And I'll challenge you this morning to think about where you go. You are going. The, the question is, are you going as a follower of Jesus is he influencing your life in such a way. Are you allowing him to influence you uh, in every way all the time? Um, this last week, we had some cable issues, internet issues at our, in our apartment. So we had this gentleman come, and he was there for a couple hours trying to fix the internet. And I was sitting there, and the whole time I'm thinking, how do I start a conversation with him about Jesus? <laughs> That was just in my mind, and I'm thinking, and I felt bad. I'm wrestling with myself because he had a job to do. He was stuck in my apartment. And so I'm just standing there behind him as he's doing his job. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get you. <laughs> no, I don't want to be that way, right? So it's a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm praying the whole time, Lord, give me the wisdom to know when to speak, when not to speak. So um, I saw, so I started asking about his family. I was just trying to press in a little bit and, 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 talk about where he grew up and all those things. And, and I noticed he had a little cross in his ear. Well, he had to go to his, his uh, truck, and I needed to go downstairs. So we got on the elevator. I was like, all right, I'm going to say something. He had this little cross in his ear. Well, we got on the elevator. Our elevator was broke, so we had to get on the one with the doorman on it. And it just, and other people, it just wasn't the time. So we went down. He was in a hurry. We got back up, and I thought, okay, I'm going to ask him. say, what is that in your ear? I had a whole thing ready, right? You know what that reminds us of, right? And just kind of get into it. Well, we got back up, and then he got on the phone, and I'm just kind of standing around. And then Tony came home, and so we were all talking, and he was trying to get it done, and there were some issues and everything. And before I know it, I was like, okay, he was gone. 
And I was like, oh man, just beating myself up over that. Now I wish that story ended. And then I talked to him and he kneeled down and prayed and received Christ. I wish that was the end of that story, but I was praying for him. He left me his number in case we have any issues. I don't know, that would be kind of tricky if I use that. But maybe I'll break something. But the point is this. The point is, I want to think that way. I want to be sensitive in that way. When the cable guy comes, when I sit on a, the airplane, I sit next to someone, I'm praying about, God, who will you put me around? Not that I want to thump the Bible in people's faces, but I realize Jesus is the healer of this brokenness that we see all around us. And so... I, there are people hurting all around us that need the truth. And so Peter and John were going. I just want to encourage you. That wasn't even a big, uh, one of my big points. Um, but I want, you to, I want to encourage you that as you go, as you leave this place, know that Jesus is in you and working through you, wants to touch the world around you. But I want us to look at a few things. Where is hope in this broken world, right? Where's the message of healing for you and me in this passage well, it's, a few, it's important to understand a few things. Number one, people are lame. No, Justin, I don't mean like people are the worst. Although I say that a lot. No, people are lame. People are broken. Mankind is broken. You are broken in many ways. You live in a fallen world. We live in a, in a broken society. It talks about here in verse 2, this man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid at the, the gate of the temple daily to ask alms. This was not an unexpected scene in Jerusalem, right? The crippled, the poor, the oppressed, Jesus was around them all the time. There was racism in that time. There was classism, political corruption, slavery, all those things. We don't, you know, we look at our world today, we don't have a corner on those issues on the brokenness it was true then and it's true today Romans 8 verse 20 through 23 says for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption which is our condition and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. We are broken. We live in a fallen world from the beginning, from the garden. We've lived in corruption. We've lived in bondage, he says there. We've lived in slavery ever since the beginning. We see it in the world all around us. We see it in the, the headlines, right? Those are the, that's the easy pickings. We see it in sickness all around us. We see in poverty. And in this city, we're overwhelmed with poverty and, and so many issues. Hatred, evil. We, we experience tragedies, all of us, in our lives. I remember my daughter Ruby was, I forget how old she was, but she was um, a little, little girl. And she came home from school one day and some people had been being mean. And she was telling me about it, the way, what they said. And, how they, and she looked at me and she was just like, why are people mean? It was like this innocence coming. She's like, why are people mean? I was like, oh, I wish I could tell you that was just that person. But this, it's everywhere. That's the kind of world that we live in. It's not simply the man laying on the corner or the steps of the temple or the, your corner, you may have walked by someone like this this morning, 
But he says not only in the creation, but we ourselves, you and I, brokenness. And our brokenness, listen, we have to get to the source of it. Our brokenness is not the fact, it's not in global warming. That's not our brokenness. Our broken is not in that the city can't figure out how to house and feed people. It's not about immigration or pandemics. It's not about politics, any of those things. Although our lostness and our brokenness have affected us in those ways. But we are broken spiritually from the beginning. Every man, woman, boy, boy and girl is in bondage to our own desires, our own unquenchable passions, We live in a world of sickness and pain because we have set God on the outside of our lives. Someone once said, look at all the pain and suffering. Where is God in all this? He's right where we left him, right where we placed him. The effects that we see all over the earth, all over humanity, over every relationship, yes, over sickness and and crippled um, and handicaps and All those things, every war, every conflict come from the fact that we're fallen and we live in that fallen world. And it's easy in this story to take the place of kind of a spectator, right? Or even Peter and John. But we all have brokenness in our lives. It affects all of us. Yes, there's evil, there's rebellion, but there's also just the fallness of living And so how does this fallenness of the world attack you? How can you see, when you analyze your own life, do you see the brokenness? Do you see the suffering? Do you see the struggle in your life? Where do you feel broken? Is it in relationships? Unforgiveness, maybe, or being forgiven? Maybe it's fear and anxiety. Maybe you feel trapped or or helpless in the stress of the news and the the headlines every day and all that's happening in the city or maybe things are going on in your family or at work and you're afraid. Maybe it's the temptation or the draw of some particular sin in your life. Maybe there's something that keeps coming up over and over again and drawing you. It has has a grip on you. You know that it's a weakness in your heart and in your life and your flesh. Temptation is a fact of life for all of us, even if you're redeemed, even if you know Christ this morning. Temptation is a constant attack, and it's not a season. It's a climate that we live in this fallen world. And so, of course, the greatest effect of the fall is this spiritual paralysis, that we're lost spiritually. So it's important to understand that just as this man's lameness is a result of a fallen world, we are part of that same world. And we see obvious broken people around us on the streets, in our communities, but we've all been affected by it. We are all dealing with brokenness and struggle and suffering in some way. And so before we find true healing, we have to recognize that that is part of the life that I live. I love my conversations with Miss Leone when I get here on Sunday mornings, and we were talking about this very thing this morning. I ask, how are you doing? Pretty good, struggling, but giving God praise anyway, because all of us are going to struggle. All of us live in this broken world. So, number one, people are lame. We are all broken. 
but also we've given up. Mankind has given up. It says there in verse 3, Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. But Peter directed his gaze at him, so to John, and said, Look at us. And he, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But not necessarily what he got. He was looking for alms. This man was simply looking for support for his broken condition. He wasn't seeking healing necessarily. He had given up on that. He was just trying to deal in his life with his condition. We see that he's laying at the, the beautiful gate to receive alms. This, this gate is described by Josephus, this Jewish um, historian, um, as made of fine Corinthian brass, standing 75 feet tall. And he said, It greatly exceeded the beauty of those that were only covered with silver and gold. It was this beautiful, beautiful picture. And he's lying there, broken and hurt at the foot of that. And there's this tradition in Judaism of benevolence as an act of righteousness. You might hear the word mitzvah. I know you hear it in bar mitzvah and those things. But mitzvah, although it literally means commandment, also means a good deed done from religious duty. I have a good friend who... Uh, is a Jewish part of a Jewish family, and he told me, "Oh, I told him we we're picking up trash." And they, "Oh, you're doing a mitzvah." <laughs> okay, not out of duty, out of love. So there's this idea of religious duty, and so this man knew the deal. He knew the deal of Judaism and what uh, was going on in the temple, and he knew where to lay. He knew where to get some some help. He was working the system hitting people up as they went to prayer. He'd lost all hope. He, he, didn't, he didn't even look at the people he was begging from, right? He was on cruise control. Have you experienced that in the city? I experienced that sometimes. Someone is just shaking a cup or something, and you walk by them, they don't even look at you. They're looking for money or for help. He lost, lost any hope. We see this in our culture today. We see it in the lives of what seem to be just ordinary people who are hustling and bustling like all of us to make a living, take care of our families, to meet our obligations, just trying to get by on cruise control. This is brokenness. If it's not addressed, it will just lead to more and more brokenness. Henry David Thoreau wrote, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Oh, man, not be. Most people are living lives of just quiet desperation. We all are by default. We are all born. This man was born this way. We are all born into this brokenness. We've all been let down and disappointed over and over again because life is hard. We've tried to find relief. All of us try to find relief from our suffering and our pain in some ways. And we fill our lives with different alms in the pursuit of gold and silver. Whatever that represents in your life, we're seeking out just some relief, not even healing. But it's important that you and I find ourselves in this man today. See the brokenness in my own life. Can you see where you've resigned yourself to just getting by? to just try harder or just to isolate yourself or fill your time with other things. 
Maybe I need another group or another person or someone to help distract me or we can share our misery together. This man was simply looking for money. He thought if he could just get some gold and silver, if he could just get something to eat and drink, maybe save up for another mat, whatever it was, then he'd be okay till tomorrow. What about you in your, in your life? Are you thinking, if I could just get this, there's certain goals in my life, if I could just get there, then I would be happy, then I would be satisfied. Is there an area of your life you've just decided to grin and bear it? Just seeking relief. Spiritually, Christians, sometimes we don't feel like God is answering our prayers, maybe. We don't feel like God is hearing us or answering in the way we want to. So we just sit that little disappointment. That becomes, that becomes if we're not careful, disappointment, a, 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 a brokenness in our hearts and minds. And so we just set it on the shelf off to the side. We may still mention it in prayer, but God's going to do what God does. So it begins to numb our faith a little bit when we just kind of set it aside. I remember a time when my father was sick before he passed. And I'd been praying for years. He just was getting sicker and sicker, and I kept praying for him. And it got to a place where I just felt like God's not answering. God's not hearing that. God's already decided what he's going to do. And instead of that being a good thing, it became a burden for me. And I can look back and look at my life, and even my prayer life began to get numb a little bit. It's like, what's the point? And you know my dad, God, you know that whole thing. And just kind of set it over here. But what it does is it kind of makes me numb. It affects our faith if we just take our brokenness and hide it or try to put it aside. Bring it. We'll talk about that in a minute. This is what you need to know. It is not God's plan or design or desire for you or for the world to, be, to live in this brokenness. It wasn't from the beginning and it's not now. And that's why he did something about it. And that takes me to the next point, which is Jesus Heals, period. Anybody ever go to About Coffee over here? I love the sign they have out front. It says, it's About Coffee. That's it. That's the sign. Jesus heals, period. He can heal you wherever you're at, whatever you're going through. Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Why did, Peter, why did Peter say, look at us? Peter is saying, get your eyes off of your circumstances. Get your eyes off of yourself. We have the source of true healing. We represent Jesus Christ. We too have been broken. We too have been lost. We too used to get up every day and just hope for a few fish. Hope for decent weather. That was our hope. We walked in the darkness of day after day, quiet desperation, until we met him, until we met Jesus, the source of life. Christian, don't check out just yet. Don't be like, oh, because I did that. No, this is for all of us every day. Peter and John weren't saying that they were the answer or even what they did, but Jesus, who they were representing, who they came in the in the name of and whose their faith was in for this healing, in the power of his spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. In verse 12, it says that the people ran to Peter and John. And they looked at him and said, why, why are you running to us? Why are you staring at us? 
as though by our own power or piety we've made him walk. It's Jesus, the Holy One, the Righteous One, the author of life. He brings healing. Jesus can heal every situation, every circumstance in your life, but it begins spiritually, right? And this is the interesting point here. The world has its expectation of Christianity and of Christians. It has its expectation of the church. Your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, they have already in their minds what the problem is and what the solution is. It says in verse 5, he looked at them expecting to receive something from them. He was seeking alms. He was seeking gold and silver. The world around us is seeking the same thing, alms. And the pressure is great for the church and for Christians to be accepted. And the world around you will bully you, will bully the church into saying what they want it to say. Say this, don't say that. And people come to church for all kinds of reasons as well. We seek out community. We seek out encouragement. We come out of guilt sometimes. We come for the great food. Those things aren't bad. Those things aren't evil. But the church has a very specific calling. It is to point to Jesus Christ, not psychological or, or any social, any other healings, any other medicine. It's Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said in chapter 1 of Acts? He said, wait here, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you shall be my witnesses. That's what we're called to do. The call and the commission of the church is not a social one or political or psychological or even of benevolence, but the soul. It's not man's body or heart or mind that's the source of, its, of our lostness. It's the paralysis and condition of our souls. That's true of your friends and neighbors, family members as well. And the cure for that is Jesus. And that's God's offer. That's God's solution. That's why he sent Christ. And that's why we are here, not to give alms, but to say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Be healed. Your soul, your sin, be reconciled to God. And Christian, with the world around us, we have three, three choices of how we can respond to the world around us. First of all, we can give in and simply make Jesus about mitzvah, right? Doing good deeds, being a nice person. Or we can just leave him out altogether in our, in our personal lives as we go, as we walk out of this door. We just don't, don't make any waves, don't talk about Jesus. That's one, that's one way we can respond in this day of brokenness. The other way is we can rebel and get angry, shake our fists at the world, and try to draw a clear line made from judgment and self-righteousness of who is for God and who is against God, who is living the way God wants and approves of and the way that he doesn't. Or we can live, demonstrate, and share Jesus. React like Jesus to the brokenness around us. Have compassion like Jesus. He looked on, he looked on the multitude of people and saw them like sheep without a shepherd and had compassion on them. Maybe I need to pray for more compassion for the broken around me, instead of fighting for my own rights, but to start living in the freedom 
of Jesus in such a way that the broken, broken people in my life can see him. And never forget, you too were once a beggar until Jesus. So until you and I, until the world looks up and sees Jesus, we will stay broken. So my question for you this morning is, have you turned your eyes to Christ? Have you turned to Jesus? Have you considered him? Have you considered his claims seriously? Christian, do you run to Jesus? Do you walk with Christ on a daily basis? When you experience temptation, when you experience pain, when you experience doubt even and heartache, do you run to Jesus? Do you cast it on him? Listen, when you, when you set up part-time to sit at the feet of Jesus, it changes you. When you open the word of God and start to read and start to pray as you read it, it changes you. It changes your perspective of what's going on around you and even in your own life. Jesus will change you. He will give you his perspective of your struggle and his perspective of the world around us. So to look to Jesus means to trust him. To rise and walk and be healed means faith. In verse 6 here he says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And as he, and Peter explains it down in verse 16, And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. Peter says, it is faith in Jesus Christ that has healed him. It is faith this morning that will heal you in Jesus Christ alone. It's not faith in myself. Peter and John, it was their faith that Jesus could heal this man. And listen, here's the thing. All of us are putting our faith in something this morning. We're all living our life by faith, right? We're trusting in something or someone to save us. Might be ourselves. But faith is not only to possess knowledge about who Jesus is and even say, yes, I, I believe he is who he says he is, but it's to surrender my life. It's to surrender control. It's to surrender my way to his way. First of all, faith means I trust Jesus for the salvation of my soul. I pray this morning if you're here, if you've never had that fallen nature of your heart and soul healed, today is the day. He, he brought you here for this. He's speaking to you today. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Put your faith in Jesus. That's the whole reason he came, to carry your burdens. Put your faith in him. Rise and walk. But also, Christian, faith in Jesus means faith today. It means daily faith. It means I'm no longer running after alms in my life. I'm no longer running after gold and silver. I'm pursuing Christ he is the primary goal. He is the primary focus of my life. Let me ask you this morning, is there anything that you're praying about? Is there anything that you are bringing to the Lord and you are asking Him to answer, to move? And you have to be honest this morning when I ask you this question. You don't have to say it out loud, but 
Is there a singular specific way you believe God should answer that prayer? Is there a way that you think, it may even be like, yeah, there's other things, but this is, I'm praying for this and I believe it. Now, first of all, that's biblical to bring our cares and our concerns and to ask and to come to him. But how prepared are you to accept God's answer to whatever it is you're praying about if it is not in the way that you think it should go or even want it to go? Are you okay with that? Can you release that? Can you worship him? Can you lay that at his feet and say, nevertheless, thy will be done, not mine? Do you trust that he sees more than you see? Do you trust that he knows you better than you know you? He wants you to cast that care on him. Jesus heals, yes. He heals in miraculous ways. We pray for one another. We see God move in miraculous ways. And one of the miraculous ways that he heals is he heals my perspective. He heals my heart rather than my circumstances. It's not my circumstances always that need to change. If Jesus doesn't want me to have this job, I don't want it. If Christ sees me in my physical circumstances or my brokenness and he chooses to leave me in it, well, I will see it as him pulling me ever closer to himself. Joni Erickson Tata was paralyzed as a young woman and she's been in a wheelchair ever since for years and years and years and she's written books and done all kinds of great things and testifying to God's goodness and grace and she wrote, God has chosen not to heal me, but to hold me. The more intense the pain, the closer his embrace. That is the life of faith. If Jesus hears my prayers for rescue and he chooses to change my uh, circumstances, I will praise him for hearing and answering. If he does not, I will praise him just the same. Because I trust him. Ultimately, he wants you to see him in every trial and in every joy. He wants you to see him more clearly. He wants me to experience his embrace more deeply. Yes, he healed this man of his temporary circumstances, but he also healed his heart. It says he got up walking and leaping and praising God. You ever around somebody who just recently gave their heart to Christ? It's like, calm down a little bit, you know. He changes us. He wants to heal you today. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're carrying, he wants to heal you if you'll put your faith in him. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is never louder than in our suffering. It's interesting, he says, in, in his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong, whom you see and know. These people knew this guy. And the testimony of seeing him laying at the foot of the doors and calling out for alms, broken and hurt, and then the testimony of him leaping and praising God was a powerful one. Listen, 
the people that live beside you and work with you and go to school with you, they know the struggle that we're all in. The point is not to say, I'm not in that struggle. The point is to praise God in the midst of it, for them to see hope that we are healed within and we trust him. God's heart breaks when he looks at the brokenness of this world. Jesus, like I said, described it as sheep without a shepherd, but God did something about it. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning as I close. You are not alone. You are not without hope. Look up. Look to Jesus. Put your faith in every circumstance. Whatever the burden is that you're carrying, bring it to him. Lay it at his feet. Share your heart with him, your every doubt. And say, Lord, I, in the end, I trust you. I trust you to lift me up that I might rise up and walk. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that comes through Christ. Lord, we live in a difficult, broken world. It's all around us every day. And our instinct, God, is to, to want to provide some temporary relief. And for ourselves, the, the, the temptation is to find a distraction or some temporary relief for our struggle. And yet, in our struggle, Lord, you've called us to see you more clearly, to fix our eyes on you. God, help us to do that. Help strengthen our faith. Help us to, to hear your still small voice above the clanging noise of the world around us and the, the expectations, the obligations that we, that we have, Lord, and the difficulty and the headlines, all those things. Lord, may we fix our eyes on you and cast every care on you, whatever it is we're carrying this morning, Lord. We, we lay it at your feet. And Lord, may we recognize that when we are walking with you, when we are surrendering to you, when we are trusting in you and praising you in the, in the hard times, in the good times, in, in the climate of this fallen world that we live in, Lord, the world around us will see that hope. That's what the world needs to hear. They don't even know what they need. I didn't know what I needed before I saw Jesus. So help us to, to always point to Christ as we go. And may you receive all the glory in Jesus' name.